Hello and welcome to the Loose Spokes podcast. I'm Randall. And I'm Roger. And this is a podcast where we uh, discuss uh, motocross, supercross, all things dirt bikes. Uh, we're going to go ahead and start off with the 450 race that just happened in uh, in Georgia uh, at, the, at the brand new Mercedes-Benz Dome. Real, real nice place. That was, that was a an extremely exciting race uh, beginning to end. Yes, it was. It was definitely a lot going on, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, when, when Tomac hit, uh, Baggett's, uh, wheel and they went down, I immediately knew this is going to be, this is going to be, uh, a fight. I knew it was going to be when, when Kenny took the whole shot and there was no Tomac to be found. I'm like, well, he's going to have to cut through, but I had no idea the kind of carnage that was going to ensue. But your first thought was the wet, the red plate's going to change positions, huh? Or will it? Because how far can Tomac come back? Yeah. But I mean, when he was buried, I'm like, Oh, that's no problem. He'll come back. But when him and Baggett went down, I'm thinking, okay, six points is, is not a lot now when he's dead last. Mm-hmm. You know, it was interesting, though. You kind of got to back up um, before him and Baggett went down to when him and Barsha started battling. That really led up to the Baggett crash because uh, Tomac and Barsha were going at it. And honestly, um, when Barsha went back around Tomac to, to Barsha's defense, he really passed him fine. So I guess that's kind of the story um, everywhere this week is the uh, curse-filled argument that happened uh, at the start gate at the end of the race between yeah. Tomac and Barsha. Uh, and, you know, words words were exchanged. And honestly, watching all of it, none of it was dirty. Nope. But it was all very aggressive. It looked, looked like arena cross to me, to yeah. be 100% honest. Uh-huh. Yeah, it wasn't. Nothing was stupid. Uh, it would between him and Barsha. Nothing was dumb. Were they aggressive? Absolutely. Uh, Tomac was more aggressive, only because he got him in the ruts where it, you know it was. It's harder to deal with when you're racing if you're in the ruts as opposed to when Barsha passed Eli. There really weren't a lot of ruts. The dirt was good, so it was a lot less uh, consequence from a little bumping. Uh, in that. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't think there was anything really dangerous. It's just that, that mentality that Tomac has that, Hey, I'm actually fighting for a championship. And I've, I've seen it the way that he has, especially this year, gotten in disagreements with, with riders that have raced him mm-hmm. like hard and not let him pass. He seems to have this, idea in his head which this is not a a character judgment at all just he has it in his head that this is his championship and he deserves to be at the front and everyone's just getting in his way and just making his life hard but i think he's forgetting that all 22 people on that gate want to win and they believe that they have as much right to be up there as him and he's not preordained it just it feels the way he rides that he has no patience for anyone that's in front of me everyone 
short of rocks and should just let me pass them because they know I'm going to and they're just wasting my time. But without that thought process, it wouldn't be his championship to win. He had that's to that's exactly it. But Barsha is out there because he doesn't want to let Tomac by because he wants to go to the front. Yep. And if he lets Tomac around him, that's going backwards. He wants yep. to go. Yep. He wants to win another race. He's yep. won once. He's third in, cha- in the championship points now. He's not out of it. No, he's not. He still believes he can win the championship. I mean, yeah. you could you can see it in his interviews and in his writing. He's one of about four guys that believes they can still win the championship. I believe that the people that think they can win this championship are Tomac, Roxon, Barsha, and Webb. Yeah, and and they they don't think they can win it. They have to know, and that's just the mentality that it takes to be there. You know, you can see when when Tomac kind of got done with the little battle with Barsha, and then he did when he crashed with Baggett. It was because he was just like, I have got to number one. I got to get away from Barsha so he doesn't run into me, and he was just urgent, urgent, urgent to get to the front. And it is so easy to fall into that. I've got to get to the front and everybody needs to move out of the way. That's a mentality you have to have, but you have to temper it because, you know, a guy like Blake Baggett is a guy that could win a Supercross race. So you Absolutely. have to take your time a little bit going around a guy like that. Um, I think he's starting to underestimate the speed of everyone else out there. He's, he's used to being that animal that he just goes through the pack. Yeah. I think that this year has been the hardest year, Oh, yeah. uh, you know, since he's kind of asserted his dominance in the class, this has been the hardest year for him to go through the pack. Yeah. Yeah. Because everyone's fast. I mean, there's, there's 10 super fast guys and then the other 10 are, just really fast. There's no, yeah, they're still faster than, than most, you know, most of us could ever dream to be, but they're, you know, they're still getting lapped by the the top guys that the ceiling is just so high, but yeah, I mean, half those guys he was passing, he can't pass as fast anymore because there aren't a lot of slow people out there. You can get through the first half, but when you hit the top, you know, the back of the top 10, there are race winners back there. Even if you're Eli Tomac, these yeah. guys are fast. Brayton's hard to pass. He's got a Supercross win. You know, Baggett's got, uh, you know, Supercross wins. He's, you know, he's not easy to pass. And these are these are people that are way back. I mean, Malcolm Stewart is, is super fast. He's a 250 champion. These are not easy passes. No, not by any means. And that's not that's not fifth, that's tenth. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's what, you know, 13, 14 points, yeah. championship yeah. points that you have to pick through, and every guy's only one point, and you have to really ride a lot faster than them to get around them, because you can't get around mm-hmm. someone by being a little faster. Mm-hmm. You have to be a lot faster. You have to be a lot faster. And there, there's no secrets on how people train anymore. They all know how each each other trains. They all put their own little twist on it, and that's what's made it so even. The bikes are so close. Now the bodies are so close. Um, it's just who wants to push it that much further out over the edge 
to try to and get last it. week was hard to pass i mean everyone said it that the first the, all the west coast rounds were super easy to pass or yeah. you know at least possible but yep. east coast rounds have been pretty hard to pass it does seem like you know between the two so far arlington and atlanta that they have been a little bit more one line um even some of the west coast ones were pretty one line but you know the whoops were long enough to where that was kind of a a thing yeah but the the split lane this last weekend was cool but the left lane was was i mean the the difference between the lanes was massive like you had to take the right lane if you wanted to if you wanted to to, to win like if, if you took the right lane and doubled your way through it they were pretty even but when they would take the right lane and triple into the corner wow that was the way to go yeah you would i mean it was a bike length and a half and yeah, so huge problem is if you're behind someone if they take the right lane you either have to follow them and there's no passing opportunity or you have to take the other lane and you'll lose a bike length yeah or you know, to take the right side of the right lane and try to get inside of them. But I didn't, I don't recall specifically seeing that happen. Maybe not without someone really parking. I mean, there was, I think there was a couple of Tomac passes there that they really, he really parked them Mm -hmm. or pushed them nearly off the track. There was some stuff there, but people were, because that leads into that sand section, Mm -hmm. people were, I think that that corner never really got figured out that going from that option lane and then that 180 degree off of that uh, wall and through the sand, I don't think anyone in either class really figured it out. Cause even at the end, Barsha uh, doing a, a big sky jump. Yeah, and yeah make, he did one. He did one. Yeah. I don't think you, I don't think your wrist could do it the whole time, but no. like <laughs> there were different options and you know, we'll talk about it later, but Sexton had, had, had it mostly figured he, out he did but he did the most but again there was no passing but well you know we'll 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 get to that but that sand section had a lot of a lot of opportunity and a lot of uh, opportunity for mistakes yeah yeah which that's neat i mean that's kind of a great equalizer if someone's strong in the sand um i thought it was a great section to be honest with you i mean i'm sure the riders hate it because the men the roost that would come off of that when those guys would land it would go clear to the back of that bull turn you know what I found? The fastest guys didn't have a big roost off of that because that's a lack of traction. Right. It is. It's, yep. Yeah. You're waiting to get the traction. That wheel's over spinning, but you do get the launch when you do light down fully. Roxon and Baggett, I didn't see a lot of rooster tail from them off of that wall, off of that sand wall, huh. but the likes of Barsha and Tomac, huge ones. Mm-hmm. And then Anderson. It would rooster tail, but it'd be at an angle. He always went off that thing a little crooked. <laughs> poor Anderson. <clears throat> you know, poor, poor. A lot of people. Everyone was on the ground. But I mean, for, for the last several weeks, Anderson. I mean, he's in he's in position for the overall last week at, yeah. at Arlington, and it goes downhill. This week it goes downhill. Three weeks ago it went downhill. The guy is fast. He just doesn't have the luck. And you know what? Same thing with with uh, Webb this year. He's super fast, but it's not falling his way like it did last year. It seemed like no matter what, he couldn't do wrong last year. And Anderson couldn't do wrong two years ago. And no matter what happened, they ended up smelling like a rose. This year, it's really, 
it was I, before Georgia, I would say it was Roxton or Tomac every time. But Tomac did end up smelling good, but he had to work for it. Roxton smelled like a rose off, out of the deal. But would Am- you say that anyone in the 450 class had it falling their way tonight, though? Uh, Roxon. Yes, absolutely. Rock, Roxon did. And Roxon had it fall his way. And actually, to be honest with you, so did Webb and Tomac because some of the big pileups that happened ahead of them, the one with Anderson, Wilson, and, uh, um, oh, shoot. Uh, yeah. Um, on, uh, uh, 64. It freezy. was freezy. Um, when they did that little pileup, those guys got three positions handed to them. Granted, in the top they 10. Went, they went on the ground and ended up behind these guys, but still they got them back, which allowed them to get close to Davalos and putting him out the thing, which should not have happened. So, See, the only, the only reason I don't give them luck credit is because they had already had bad luck. Yeah, they had. But, they, so, but you know, they got it taken away. But they also got to hand it back to him. Kind of an equalizer deal. Uh, they got bad starts, so they were going to have to come from back anyway. But it kind of equalized the big problems they had. Yeah, I, I think that's what it was. Is you know who? But who got good luck without bad luck? Only um, Roxon. Only Ken Roxon. Martin Davalos had he nothing got, but good luck until the last two laps. Because because. Tomac and Webb got a little gift handed to them. They were able to get up to Davalos. I mean, if, if, if the pileup wouldn't have happened between Anderson and Wilson and Freezy, those guys would have taken enough longer to get around, but they wouldn't have been that close to Davalos. I was, I was both gutted for him and, and later talked, talked myself out of it for, for Davalos. I was, so disappointed when they when they passed him but you know a, a few minutes after i realized no martin davalos moves up to the 450s yeah on a on a tether ktm yeah and finishes fifth yeah no complaint in a suit in his like eighth supercross that's yeah. Yeah. wonderful that's great that's great yeah. after might, being in second for half the race it, it might have set his expectations a little, little bit too high if he had got second you know what i mean i mean he'd be like yeah. when he got fifth next week in daytona but if he gets daytona now it, it just tempers a little bit you know yeah a little bit but it, it but it still shows him that if he gets a good start, oh, yeah. rides his own race, let yep. them make mistakes, yep. just focus on what he does. Yep. He has the speed to not get caught for yeah. 20 minutes. Yeah, which is was huge for him mentally to to just know that. I mean, to get caught by Webb and Tomac at the end of the race, what, that was bad luck. But the rest of the race was good luck for him. Plus, who did, who did he get beat by? the top people in the championship. Exactly. The, the, all the guys that are way ahead of him in points, but it, it definitely yeah. has a lot of leaps forward for Martin Davlos. Yeah. I think that's, that's great. And that's great for team tatter and, and um, you know, yep. bringing them up, you know, it's just good to have more teams. And if they get more, you know, visibility, they get more sponsorship money. Yeah. They can hire more riders, get better equipment and make this sport more competitive. Yeah, yeah. When you got a, 
a privateer type team like Tedder getting up there and getting fifth and being second. I mean, that's visibility and that motivates these guys to keep spending the money they're doing and, and trying to make a difference. They get some results once in a while like that. That's pretty cool. It makes me wonder um, how much of it is Davalos. We know he's extremely skilled. He rode outdoor for um, Rockstar and he did very well at that. Yeah, on the Not that he hasn't ridden a 450. Yep. But how much of that is Tedder getting some support this year from KTM? You know, I've never read what whether they're how much support they're getting, whether they're getting as much as Rocky Mountain or not. They are. They they're are. getting they don't they don't have the same money, but they they do this that they show up at the same testing. Uh KTM is fully behind uh Tedder, and that's that's the reason that they didn't bring in someone to replace Moosecan is um, you know, the man uh, said in an interview that, well, there's no reason for us to have a fill-in rider because we have five fill-in riders. Like we've got so many people because they, you know, they factory sponsor Rocky Mountain and he name-checked Tedder, you know, okay. in the interview okay. that so they, they, they do take yeah. care of him. And he's got TLDs. Like we've got a lot of bikes out there. We don't need to struggle to get somebody on the bike. We don't have that many sponsors. Our sponsors are happy with what we've got out there. We've got the ex-champion, like last year's champion, you know. Mm-hmm. The number so one they have no reason there, to try yeah. and try and push someone out there. They can put their resources behind Webb and try and defend that title. Hmm. But yeah, uh, Tedder's getting real uh, factory support. Good for Davlos. I mean, that, and, and Team Tedder, but good for both of them. Stay in the court yeah. and getting some results. That's good. Kenny had a good night. Oh man, yeah, he did. He did. He did what you what you're supposed to do to be champion. Get the whole shot. Get out front and stay out of trouble. Yeah, and he said, you know, last couple laps, he said that the, the track really, uh, really got beat down, and it's surprising when someone has a, you know, thirteen and a half second lead at the end of the race. Uh, and they get to the podium and they're exhausted. Did you see him? He was tired. He was sweating. <laughs> I didn't think he looked too bad. I mean, he was still, he was still kind of breathing a little heavy and, and, you know, his usual manic self mm-hmm. up there on, on the podium, mm-hmm. you know, said he had some sketchy moments. He was still going for it. He knew how quickly you can lose a lead yeah. um, in, in a race like that. But he slowly built it over Davalos, you know, watching his lead over second. But interestingly enough, his his lead over like Tomac and Webb um, stayed pretty consistent while they were up. So in other words, yeah. he was he built the lead, you know, but he's he those guys weren't on track position, were not catching him, which is a a, a positive that he had. I'm sure he knows that statistic. Well, I mean, his looking at the results, his uh, Ken Roxon's best lap was basically a 51 flat. Okay. Barsha, Webb, and Tomac were all uh, basically 51 five as a best okay. lap. Okay, I did. So his that. best lap was a full half a second faster. Nice. So he and got, I mean, he's got something going there for sure. To go down another half second, you have to go all the way down to uh, Plessinger. Wow. 
Okay. <clears throat> who had who he said he had his best race of the year. Bless him. Yeah, seventh seventh place I, I think is his best result. Yeah. The guy is see if it slowly but very surely coming around. I'd sure like to see him, you know, get on a podium. He'd be stoked. Yeah, this is this is his third uh, top 10 this season. He got a ninth in Glendale, an eighth in Arlington, now a seventh in Atlanta. Yeah. So he's he's working his way up. Yeah. Um, I mean, at this rate, he should get sixth at Daytona. Mm-hmm. Which Daytona is going to play more into his hands. I I hope so. I mean, him and Baggett should, should uh, kind of show up a little bit. Um, yeah, Baggett just needs some luck. I feel I feel real bad for for Blake Baggett because he he DNF'd. Um, no, he was two laps down. I'm sorry, he did finish, but uh, he was he was two laps down at Atlanta. Yeah. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, I thought I saw him ride off. To be quite honest, but it credits him with 23 laps. So. Oh man. Yeah, that's another. Yeah, he he can do it. He's he's had chances recently to get into the lead, but he, I think he bent up the bike um, in the crash with Tomac because oh. he never he never recovered from that. Oh boy, I I didn't pay attention after that. There was so much else going on that. Yeah, I, well, I'm you know I'm looking at the results, um, but I do remember seeing him get lapped at one point and going, oh no, hmm. but yeah, he's in the sand section. Maybe something was bent, or he had to. He was bent. Maybe you know, got an impact or whatever on his body too. Hmm. Yeah, I'm. I'm just disappointed that tickles back out. You know, we we uh, haven't been we haven't recorded since then due to scheduling and technical issues that we, I think, have sorted. Um, but you know, he came back with some strength uh, in his first heat, and then he was doing decent finishes, and then. He uh, he crashed at the Triple Crown that we attended uh, here in Arlington, and no good, no good. I think he, I think he he broke something. He broke something in his hand. Yeah, that's we we kind of mentioned the uh, you know this dark cloud that seems to be following JGR this year. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think if they call another rider in to, as a fill-in, they're going to say nope. <laughs> Someone uh, actually mentioned, uh, I think it was in the comment section of an Instagram post, uh, Michael Lessie said something to the effect of, well, I haven't gotten a call yet. So, <laughs> You know, I think I remember seeing something about that too. But yeah, it's a shame because I, I like seeing Tickle back out there, and then I remember seeing him him uh, walking his bike off off the track at the Triple Crown in Arlington, and and watching him shake his head uh, as he pushed the bike off the track, going, "Oh no, please tell me you're not hurt, bud." And then he didn't line back up after that. Um, something was broken. Yeah, that was kind of that was kind of a rough night for a lot of people too, um, including not to mention Cooper Webb, which leads us back into uh, this last week. Cooper Webb, third place after bouncing off the uh, off the concrete again. Yeah, but you know you watched his uh, 
podium speech, and that guy was hurt. Oh, that was misery yeah, in his was, in his he, eyes. He was definitely hurting. But you know what? That that's a lot of heart and push when he. I'm sure for the last four laps, it was like I don't care if I hurt myself worse. I'm going to do this, and I'll heal during the week. That had to be what he was thinking. Um, but it's hard to concentrate. You know, while you watch some of the times he would swap through the whoops when Eli was behind him, and you're like, this guy is flopping, but he's just keeping the gas on. Because the moment Tomac showed up behind him, I went, okay, well, he's going to go around yeah. uh, Webb, and then he'll get this guy and that guy, and it never happened. Never happened. Webb was like, I need, I, this is one of two guys I can't let beat me. And that was what he was going to do and do it. And that's just amazing. I think Eli by that time was probably a little bit tired. He had been fighting too. And he wasn't maybe not in pain, but he was tired from getting up and coming back. And, and then he stalled in the sand and stuff like that. Too many comebacks. And he's probably mentally tired too, because I think his brain definitely heads towards explode time when he's behind and has to catch up. Yeah. But that's he's that's not a fault of his. That's totally normal because he wants his championship bad, and so does Cooper. And that's why you do some of the things these guys did last weekend. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do a quick quiz for you okay. this season. Cooper Webb, how would you describe his season? Has he had a good season? Has he had so-so results? Like, how has it, have his results been race to race? Do you think he's He's been hot and cold. Has he been kind of mediocre results? He, he's been consistent, but he's a typical, um, he's got the championship hangover and he's got a target on his back, which is a number one plate on the front of his bike. Um, typical results, you know, Anderson was doing the same thing last year before he got hurt. You know, you're going out with a number one plate and, Certain guys, when they get that plate a little too soon, can't back it up for whatever reason. Not that they aren't trying maybe harder than they did the year they won the championship. It also goes back to, remember earlier in our conversation about how it seemed like they can't do wrong. You know, Anderson in 18, Cooper in 19, no matter what happened, these guys... Dungy his whole career. This year, they're not getting that. So would you be surprised to hear that he's only been off the podium three of nine races? Not at all. Not at all. But he hasn't. Has he won yet? Yep. He's got um, in San Diego. Well, he has a, a win. So that's one a... out of nine races. Yeah, but he went, I mean, St. Louis and Arlington, he was both. He was credited with 12th at both of those races. Mm -hmm. But aside from that, third in Arlington or Anaheim, uh, third in Anaheim two, fourth in Glendale. So just off the podium, Oakland and Tampa were, were both second. And then uh, San Diego first, Atlanta third. Like he's been on the podium most of the season. And just those two bad results, without mm -hmm. those, he would be right there with uh with the other two uh leaders you can you can get away with those 12ths if you're getting firsts and seconds 
but if you're getting thirds and fourths, you can't get away with it. Go back and look at, um, you know, each Ryan when they're winning their championships. You know, these guys, they might have got a one-sixth, you know, during the year, but they're always fourth to first or second or fourth, you know. just They just they're, they were always on the podium, but I also think that, that has more to do with no discredit to the riders of the era, but this is hashtag deep field. This really is what we've been teased with for the last five years. I think we're finally at, you know, a, a deep field race winners, you know, outside the top 10, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not because of a crash, but just because of a bad start and not being on. Yeah. See what I expected to see when I, when I looked at Cooper's results, I expected to see Barsha's results, you know, mm-hmm. which is more more off the podium. Uh, he's only been on the podium uh, three races. How many three? Okay, yeah, not very many. And Cooper Webb has been on the podium six of nine. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at that point you go, well, they're only one point separated in, in the standings. That's because those twelfths, yeah, um, What's the worst that Barsha got, maybe? He got a ninth at A2, and then Oakland was sixth. Mm-hmm. But other than that, he's been in the top five the other seven seven rounds. See what a difference that makes, yeah. Without I mean, one, two, nine, five, six, five, four, four, two. Those are all very low numbers. There's yeah. no double digits. Right, no double digits. That's why... His average podium is less, but be without two twelfths, that's why they're close. So, in your you know long long uh, experience, we'll call it. Watch it. What would you what would you consider a more consistent rider? The guy who you know is only outside the top five uh, twice, or the guy who's only off the podium three times. They both have one win. I would, I would, in my, I would have to say, Barsh is more consistent. Even though his his finishes range from first to ninth and kind of run the gambit, you know, one one first, two seconds, uh, no thirds, two fourths, two fifths, a sixth and a ninth. Mm-hmm. Like that does seem pretty consistent on the bar graphs, but. You know, Cooper's been consistent, you know, inside the top four for uh, seven of nine races and then just two really bad ones. If you throw out like what's if you throw out the two worst scores, then yes, Cooper's more consistent. But, but with those, I mean, they literally average to the same mm-hmm. mathematically because they're you have this about the same amount of uh, championship points. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, one one seventy seven for for Barsha and one seventy six for Cooper Webb. So they literally average to the same score. But I I would agree with you that I think Barsha is more consistent mm-hmm. um, overall because he he's made better use of his bad weekends. Yeah. Which Cooper Webb's gotten these miracle podiums. Or he'd whereas, be, or he'd be way back if he didn't get those. Yeah, exactly. But Barsha's Barsha has kept from having any really bad nights. Right. Which therefore in the end 
he's not injured. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's that's true. He's more con- yeah. He's he's in a better position because he has the same points, same amount of wins. Um, but he's uh, yeah. I didn't realize that Cooper Webb had so little four fifty wins. If you if you uh, because he was he whether he had a bad night if he had a bad night last year he got third place. Um, you know, this goes back to the saying, you win your championships on your bad nights. Well, yeah, but they're doing it in completely different yeah. different ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But those two twelfths is probably why he won't win the championship. Yeah, I mean, he can't. you can't afford to do that. You just can't. I mean, and Tomac's done that the last four years. He's had a bad finish for one reason or another, and guess what? He hasn't won it. Tomac's had three bad races. I can I can think of three races that were that did not go well for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anaheim, St. Louis. Uh, you know the first two rounds. That's when him and uh, Roxon got bad starts, mm-hmm. and then you know in Atlanta also was bad. San Diego wasn't great, but only one time was he outside the top four. Mm-hmm at the end of the race. Yeah. And that's that's why he's in a way better position. He's got the one seventh at Anaheim and then it's all first, second, or fourth. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's yep. And he's yeah. he's done damage control. Yeah, and times like like Atlanta. I mean he did damage control there. He might have done some damage along the way, but he did damage control and still uh, he got to fourth, which was a big deal. And yeah, that's a, and that was a bad night for him. That's not that bad. Yeah, exactly, and that's that's why he's you know so many more points ahead. He's you know twenty points on these guys. Yeah, yeah, because he's he's really not had it's it's a point here, a point there. Really adds up after nine rounds. Does. Mm-hmm. So is Justin Hill fast or? Or is he in this weird middle ground? He's in the middle ground. He's fast. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it seems like he's probably the fifth fastest guy right now. Um, so outside these top four competitors that we've been talk talking about, you think yeah. he's... But that, that means you're going to have to put him above the likes of Jason Anderson yep. and, um, and he is. Malcolm Stewart. And right now he is. Right now he is faster than those guys. Jason Anderson, if he sticks with it, his results are going to start to stick, then that would change. But it's just funny. Anderson is missing a small ingredient, and I don't know what it is. Um just a little I mean, like Cooper doesn't have this year too, I guess. I mean, Anderson's first five results, five, three, five, three, five. That's all great. That keeps you in the hunt. It does. And then he got a third again in Arlington, which mm-hmm. he almost won. He almost won. But San Diego, Tampa, and Atlanta, 14th, 10th, and 11th. That, you yeah. can't do that. Yeah, for whatever reasons, he's crashing late in the race or – it's docked a couple positions. It's just, uh, yeah, that's where it's not rolling his way. Just like Cooper Webb, it's not rolling his way. 
Um, yeah, you, you can't afford to make those kinds of mistakes. Yeah. Honestly, when you really look at, you know, talking about how things are rolling your way, the guy that is rolling the most his way, not that he isn't earning it and working super hard at it, but Ken Rock. All of these guys are earning everything they, they get. Are. Like, what, no matter what we say on this podcast, oh, yeah. these guys are all hugely talented. Yes. They work harder than we could ever imagine. Yeah. So never think that we're discrediting these yeah, folks. Yeah, no, They're the guy amazing that's in last place in a 450 main event. Well, wait a minute. He got in that main event. He's miles above anything I could ever dream of. The the guys who have never and probably will never qualify but still race the LCQs. Yeah. yeah. Probably still faster than we could ever be. Faster. Yeah, yeah, they're all so that, super skilled. That being said, who who are you thinking's earning it? Who am I thinks earning it? Well, you were you were you were going somewhere before I uh well I was going you. with you know you have things going your way. Like Anderson had things go his way. Yes, he earned it. Absolutely earned it, but but things still have to go your way. Um, what did, oh, uh, Trey Kennard said, he says, uh, you know, success is when luck and preparation come together. Yep. And you can't do it with just one or the other. You just can't. And I think that honestly, luck and preparation have come together the most this year for, uh, Ken Roxon. Yep. He's, he's stuck with it and he's, he's been there and making it happen usually the scores he has wouldn't really have him in contention but it's been such a divisive year yeah. that he's you know he, he could have given up after the first couple of rounds being you know around sixth like oh well this isn't gonna yeah like you, you could have thrown in the towel but he just stayed with it and yeah the fact that he has the red plate there's a lot of luck but I think I think Tomac can be a lot of times is faster than Ken, but Eli tries so hard, and it's a even though they're both super mental riders, maybe is a little bit more susceptible to mental issues as far as you know Atlanta, for instance, um, and the last four years, Eli is faster, but Ken is just steady there's a couple of times this year where eli has caught and passed ken and ken doesn't go nuts trying to keep up he just lets him go he's playing the long game i don't know i just think it's rolled his way i mean look at what happened to eli this weekend while Tom, while ken's out just clicking off the laps you know in the front 18 20 seconds ahead he's got nobody pressuring him I mean, that's luck rolling your way. That's just, you know, halfway through the season thought that I have. One yeah, of I would, will win it. I would tend to agree. One of those two will win it. But Eli's trying harder, which, you know, that may get it for him too. Just interesting. We'll look back on this after Utah and see what really happens. Yeah, but that's half the fun is is guessing and oh, yeah. usually being wrong, but sometimes not. That's why you sit here and talk about it. Yep, yep. Um, I miss Cincerillo. Oh, yeah. He was definitely, uh, 
He was so fast, so competitive, and everyone's waiting for that first win for him. Probably won't happen this year. He'll be back before the end of the year, but, you know, to get fully up to speed, yeah, maybe he could do it. You know, maybe if the last race or two is kind of a trash race or whatever, or, you know, someone's not going to fight him and he gets a good start, he could still do it, I guess. Yeah, that. but the problem is, you know, he's got to come back, you know, and, you know, figure out with his injury and, and time off against these guys that are, we're in the middle of the season. These guys are getting fast. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, he was, too. You know, it's a possibility that because he did get it plated, um, he probably won't do Daytona, but he could do the race after that, which is at Indianapolis. I'm kind of guessing here. Hmm. Uh, that's a good question. I, I think that sounds right, but I, I uh, but don't have the list. Do the race, perhaps do the race after that. I remember back several years ago when Josh Hill, um, he was like points lead or just out of the points lead or whatever. And he broke his collarbone, had it played it during the week. And man, he raced the next weekend. Still got like yeah. about five. <laughs> it is Indianapolis. Okay. Uh, and then from there, we just move a little bit over to Detroit. And then we uh, resume our West Coast swing in Seattle. Hmm. Okay. Yep. We have um, our tickets for Seattle, so we'll be there. Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah. It'll be good. That'll be the third Supercross of the year. That's a record for me. Well, that's that's a good record to have. I think that's a good good uh, good note to kind of transition over to uh, to our, our kind of stories here in the middle. We got three things that we kind of are going to touch on Uh we went to the Arlington race together. You yep. and I and the family all fun. got together and went to that. That was fun. What a that big was fun. Stadium. Triple Crown. Big stadium. The TV screen was gigantic. But even the, the all the visual of the races, we could see really good. I actually didn't watch the, the TV screen except for kind of between the races. I was able to see all the racing from where we sat. Yeah, we were club level seating, the 200 level. We were kind of in the the corner by the start gate, um, and it was it was a really good elevation. Yeah, we saw most everything from there. It's yep. a really well built stadium. Yep, it was good good visibility. The track visibility was good. It was uh, really fun to go. Uh, yeah, a lot of the other seats looked like they would be good. Uh, two lots of uh, concession stands, mm-hmm. so there weren't huge lines for that. There wasn't huge lines for the the restrooms. You know, if you're gonna go to a, a race, that's one I would I would recommend. The venues, uh, very big, like huge, but it it was very nice. A lot more, a lot more elbow room. Uh, you know, vi- ability to go use a restroom or hit concessions then a2 was a lot more crowded the lines were longer um and yeah and just the actual the physical space to walk around uh you know you leave your seat and then you kind of go into that ring that yeah. freeway yeah. and even at the busiest club level there was room for you to i don't think i touched anyone like with my shoulders no uh like i do at anaheim did you see those uh at the top of the of our seating section there top of 200 there where they had the concessions there was all those those round tables kind of at the 
at the back row. You can stand if you wanted to. You could stand at those round tables and watch the races and eat or whatever. And no one's going to come up to you and say, hey, you need to go sit down. Yeah, there was that. And when you went in, there was, well, there was a lot of like bars too, but there was actually places all night when I would go in, you know, the kids need to go to the bathroom and stuff. There was always somewhere that if you wanted to get concessions, you could actually sit down and eat. Yeah. Yes. Like not in your, in your stadium seat, there was actual like seats and tables that were clear that you could sit. And it was a pretty packed stadium. Um, You know, I'd say it was probably 80% full um, of the seats that they, that they had available. Um, I don't think they sold the 400 level, but there was plenty of room to sit down. Uh, You know, it didn't feel like a ghost town. It was just adequately sized. Yeah, there was. And, you know, I got to go back to my pictures because you're right. I don't I don't remember ever looking up to the top and seeing how many people were in there. Yeah, usually by the time the night show starts, I stop looking at the at the crowd so much and I really do focus on what's going on. But it was a covered stadium, so it was all uh, very comfortable, like good temperature. Um, And like my wife had never been to a Supercross before. So when the flamethrowers went off, she, uh, she giggled a little bit. She's like, Hey, you can feel the heat. Yeah. (laughs) That's cool. Yeah. That, that is always fun. It was a lot nicer in Sam Boyd when we were freezing and they'd set those things off and the people next to us, they should do that again. Oh Oh, yeah. I know. (laughs) And it, it, when we were a one some years back, they needed to just leave that thing on. <laughs> yeah, that was freezing, but that's, you know, January, even in yeah. Southern California, yeah. but yeah, that cool. was definitely a good time. And I recommend people yeah. go out and, and, uh, and do a, do a, a race like that. Yeah. Attend a supercross service. Honestly, it doesn't have to be that expensive. What did they have? Um, $25 seats, $25 seats. I mean, come on. Um, we paid, I think, sixty-five or seventy, but you can pay twenty-five dollars a seat yeah. and go and watch Supercross. And you can still go down to all the concessions, like, yep. and even the the high seats looked like they would have been fine, especially with that jumbo tron. Like yeah. the TV is honestly the biggest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it still is, but it was the biggest TV in the world. Yeah, when they when they built it for sure. Um, but the thing is, it's also really good like the f- refresh rate on it is very fast mm-hmm. like it doesn't look like some giant led you yeah. know display that is chunky like it looked better than my tv yeah, that wasn't pixelated at all it was good yeah um another thing that kind of happened last week was the mxgp which i'm i'm attempting to follow uh this week and they started in great britain this year at matterly uh, which is brave. Yeah, because it re- it rained hard there uh, Saturday. In fact, they just did like one session. I don't think they – one quick – One, one practice session on Saturday. Yeah, that was it because it was pouring. And then it was interesting. Uh, I watched it uh, a little bit of, a little bit of the second moto on CBS Sports Network on Sunday. And, man, that track was potholed like you can't believe it. The ruts – the ruts and then potholes in them. You know, I was watching my first turn it on. I'm watching the hurlings and I sort of assumed he was in the lead in the second moto, but he's just picking his way through. I'm like, wow, this is a trials race here. Um, 
but uh, it was interesting. The jumps were huge. And these guys were just sending it off of them. There was several jumps that were, I'm going to guess that they were 65, 70 feet. These guys were going off of them. In the, in the wet. Track. But to be landing in the ruts, wow, that's crazy. And, uh, you know, for those who don't follow real quick, the first moto, Hurlings won the first moto um, with uh, actually uh, Jeremy Sewer behind him yep. and Mitch Levins in third. Yep. Uh, Mitch Levins is the Australian who signed with HRC. And that was his first um, MXGP race. And he podium the first moto. Yep. That's that's really that's really impressive. Yep. Uh, and then the second moto, uh, Tim Geitzer uh, won that one with Hurlings in second and and Cairoli behind him. Uh, Geitzer had gotten eighth in the first moto and Cairoli fourth. Um, so there was a lot of inconsistency. The most consistent was Hurlings going one two. Yeah. Uh, but you know, he wasn't dominant, you know, he got a bad start in the second moto and, uh, wasn't able to catch Tim. Yeah. Tim, Tim had a 20 some second lead over him and Hurlings wasn't catching him. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe Hurlings knew that, uh, you know, he didn't need to beat him for, to have a, a nice points lead anyway, but yeah. early in the season, you know, you don't want to get hurt, Nope. especially nope. him early in a wet race when you don't need the points. I do think it will be interesting. You know, I, I have been assuming that Hurlings was going to be able to beat Geitzer in every race, but yeah, you know what? I think these guys are going to battle a, um, a lot this year, and I think they'll trade wins. It won't be a Hurlings runaway like it was uh, a couple of years ago. And Cairoli, he was running with uh, Hurlings almost the whole second moto. For somebody that's coming back from injury, he's definitely still got a little drive for being 34 years old. As all those championships. Yep. Yep. So it'll be interesting, you know, and, and a guy like Jeremy Sewer, he's definitely a fast guy. He can, he'll win some motos this year. Yeah. And he went 2 8, which, you know, it's just hard to be consistent in the ring. What did Mitch Evans get? Fifth in the second moto? Uh, seventh. So he yeah. went 3 7 for fifth overall. Okay. Still, that's, that's, that's still pretty good for a. Basically That's great. Class. And uh, speaking of, of rookies, Jorge uh, Prado uh, went nine twelve, which, you know, that's very respectable in the rain for your first race. And five weeks after a broken femur. Yep. He's the so one that's... guy that's going to slowly improve all year long. I think he'll give the top guys fits by the end of the season. By the end of the season. And next year, he's going to be somebody to reckon with. And it's good to see, you know, Pulan and DeSalle and Koldenhoff uh, yep. getting six, seven, eight. Like they're, they were very, they were a lot more consistent. You know, DeSalle went five, five, Koldenhoff went six, six. That must feel nice to have a good solid start to their season. Yeah. Now, did, did you see what Koldenhoff was riding? Uh, I did, I did not. So he's riding that... the gas gas this year like the Huskies were, it's just a KTM. Yeah, I, I see that. Uh, and they're going to have, uh, they're going to have uh, two strokes also. Yeah, right. They're, it's just a KTM line, but yeah. but like Husqvarna, they're starting next year, they'll start, you know, developing their own identity. Um, 
pretty soon. Well, they need to do that because there's already a red dirt bike out there. I don't think they can keep doing that. (laughs) Well, they wanted to have a a go fast color. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, um, it's interesting. KTM is going to end up being like GM. You know, they're going to own all of the good motorcycles. Um, Yep. um, But, you know, you... One thing that'll be interesting, I guess, uh, um, Fever was on the Kawasaki this year, and I expected him to be stronger, but he got hurt and couldn't continue. Um, yeah, he, yeah, injury problems. Yeah, but I think he'll, he's going to show some good results because that's a little bit, you know, seems like a little bit more consistent bike than what he, the Yamaha has been riding all these years. Yeah, because did he? He didn't even he didn't even uh, show up to qualify. Right, because he he tried and he just couldn't do it. Yeah. Uh, well, at least he, he gave it a shot. Yeah, you know. Did and, and I wa- also watched that race, and uh, going back to Geitzer, he's on a completely different Honda than they've ever had. It's smaller. Uh, they did go back to single exhaust, but just looking at the engine and the way the pipe comes out and stuff can't see any details you know on the tv from the distance but that's a completely different motorcycle than a 2020 crf yeah they had that thing very locked down yes uh, in fact it yeah. was on uh um they had it locked down to the media they said you can't show anything yep yep that's that's the difference in our series is they they get prototype bikes with all yep. sorts of Weird yeah. equipment on it. The, the the mention was during the race, though, that this bike isn't even pre-production. It's past that. It's actually into production. They say they didn't make any changes all day long on this bike. Wow. Obviously, you know, your sand cast engine cases, stuff like that will get, you know, developed a little bit more. But the basic design of the bike, they said, is there and it's done. And they're just going to use this season to kind of make sure it's launch ready. Yeah, they shake it down. It'll be interesting to see whether they do that with the 21 or not. Yeah, see if there's going to be a new bike dropping. Yes, well, you know, there will be. The 21 models, typically with Honda, they they, uh, come out with them in like July or August or they'll kind of tell you what it's going to be and then you can't get it till somewhere between September and December, but if they'll all, if they'll jump all the way to this bike, I'm guessing that they will. But it's just, do you think it look tiny? Do you think maybe they could announce it as a 2020 factory edition? Like, like they kind of did, they had, they have a, uh, a factory edition bike, but it, could they do this and let Roxon have it? For outdoors, Roxon and, and uh, Sexton? I don't think so because they actually have to have 400 of them in the country to, however you say that word, homologate. Homologization. No, I know this word. Exactly. It's hard to say. Oh, man. But you have to have 400 of them in whatever that word is that are homologation before they can race them here in the United States. And I don't think they'll make that. Um, for Alex. Yeah. yeah, so we'll just have to wait. Because yep. that's something that, uh, you know, the Austrians do is they come out with this, you know, 
yeah, the next year's is. bike this year. Yeah, well, and you do it with the Husky and the KTM, and I'm guessing they'll come out with the gas gas too. Yeah, why? I mean, there's no reason not to. Nope, nope. Interesting. It, you know, uh, it's pretty cool though to see the technology, you know, moving ahead in this industry. Well, yeah, that's that's the thing. Is it'd be nice if they had a production rule over there. I think it would help their sport as it did ours. It would help, you know, bring up more competition in the privateer bikes and mm-hmm. give them a chance. Um, but, you know, then we kind of lose that development platform like F1 is. Yeah. You know. yeah I, I like the fact that they still have factory bikes over there. I think that's a pretty important thing for development. Yeah, it's good for the development of the yeah. bikes, even though it may not be ideal for for their sport. But that's that's a, a whole nother can of worms. Yeah. Well, the, the first level of development, obviously, is in Japan um, mm-hmm. as far as, you know, four of the five you know big manufacturers they they always have the weird stuff over there first in japan uh then they start testing it mxgp so you especially wanted to hit on um on brian uh brian moreau uh before we get into the 250s stuff yeah you know i i had a thought you know um Obviously. For those who don't know, Brian Moreau is a uh, uh, amateur that came up and uh, for TLD and made it all of about two laps when he had a horrific crash that injured his back, sending him to the hospital for uh, for two weeks there in Tampa, um, possible paralysis, um, and he's just got flown back to France uh, last week. Um, so we're all, everyone's pulling for him, uh, hoping, hoping he gets better, you know, just ask Jesse Nelson. You, you don't know for the first year at least. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so, you know, all, all the best to Brian Moreau. Uh, but what's, what's your specific thought that you wanted to, to well, mention? I, I just got thinking, I, I, I read where, uh, <clears throat> Marvin Muscan's wife has, uh, was, went over back over to France with him and did not realize the fact that when Brian Moreau came over here to start racing, that he lived with the Muscans. Makes sense yeah. because they're all French. They can communicate better and stuff like that. But, you know, it comes down to, you know, Marvin Muscan. So Marvin Muscan, he's, what, 31 years old? He's getting a little bit older. Mm-hmm. But... This has to mess with his head a little bit, you know, be having a friend of his that lived with him and they helped him get a start, you know. An an eighteen year old amateur, I believe eighteen, yeah, could be younger. Super young kid, you know, have a, a pretty bad injury. We don't know where it'll end up, but it's not good today. Uh, but the thing is, the same sort of thing happened to Marvin's brother, and you know, we all have those things that go that happen to us in life or happen close to us in life. And you're like, uh, wait a minute, you know, how much of this is worth it? What level should I be, you know, competing and having fun? Definitely have to think about that stuff. Even Ken Roxon went through some of that when his, uh, and, when his brother-in-law uh, got injured. 
And before that, both Roxon and Dungy had that when Dungy's back got messed up and like Correct. in Colorado. Yep. You know, yeah. And yeah. you, you hear it more and more, uh, Dean Wilson, you know, he's all done getting hurt. He's pretty sick of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you hear it from a lot of other people. I think that's one reason we'll, we won't see Pike back is he's Weston Pike is still recovering. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he may never stop recovering from, from, you know, a motorcycle smashing him in the head. Yeah. Uh, and you know, bad things do happen. We've had, you know, other paralysis stories from, um, from recent ones like, like Jesse Nelson, uh, you know, all the way back to, uh, was it Doug Henry, David Bailey, David Bailey. But the thing is, you know, you can, if you back up, well, you know, you got a lot of football players that they have, you know, lifelong injuries after they get done playing and basketball players and, and any kind of professional sport, you know, we know we're taking an inherent risk. You know, there's guys that get, you know, mortally injured just trail riding. Like I have twice, but it's all still worth it. It's worth the risk reward. Um, once you're been riding motorcycles for very long and you really get bit by it, you don't worry about whether, you know, it's going to paralyze you or, or, you know, too many concussions are going to get you or whatever. You just don't think about that. But, you know, at my age, I definitely am. I'm pulled back a few notches. I'll still go way faster than I should at my age. But I avoid doing the stupid stuff because riding and racing motorcycles is fun. Uh, it's definitely fun and worth doing, but just use your head as a as a normal person because we are not Eli Tomac, we're not Ken Roxon, and we're not Brian Moreau. Never will be. That's right. Just be careful. It you know it's you're not likely trying to win nope. a championship. You're not trying to make a living. Just remember the level that you're doing it. Remember why you're out there. And for me, it's to have fun. You know, it's it's fun to push yourself and get better mm-hmm. and, you know, try and go a little bit faster and, and take little chances. Just, you know, if if you get paralyzed from a small mistake, that's, that's one thing as well. What could you have done about it? But if you go out and you don't wear proper gear and you get hurt doing something stupid... Yep. Before you, if you hesitate to do something, think if I get hurt, can I justify what I'm about to do? And if you're about to jump a creek on, on, you know, an old ratted out, uh, 252 stroke and you're like, oh, I can, I can totally make it. And you're wearing, you know, no shirt and cargo shorts and a three quarter helmet, maybe not worth the risk. (laughs) It takes very little common sense to realize that that's not safe. Not safe enough but to be it, worth it. But if you're all geared up, your bike is properly maintained, and you're at the vet track, and you go, you know what? I think I can clear this tabletop. You know, I've been I've been making it to the end, but it's smoother if I make it. I've done similar things, and you don't quite make it. The back end hits, and you swap, and you go down, and you, you get a little bit a little bit hurt. It's like, well, I wasn't doing anything stupid. Mm-hmm. 
You know, no, no more stupid than getting on the bike in the first place, which remember is still safer than your car in rush hour yeah. traffic. Yep. Yeah. So just, you got to find your own personal balance. There's no answer to that. It's all very personal. It's really okay to have that. Woohoo. That was close moment. Most times. And I think there was a lot of <laughs> 250 riders that felt a lot of those moments oh, yeah, this, uh, weekend. this weekend. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. But, uh, you know, that was, uh, that was some good racing too. Um, just amazing how when Chase Sexton, when, when, uh, McElrath passed him, I thought, Oh, Oh, now he has to do something. And that's where we're going back to in the sand. Uh, we talked about earlier and he just rocketed, uh, Chase Sexton through that sand and got back around Makarov and he didn't, and did you notice how he didn't focus behind him? You know, Makarov was still hot on him. His focus was Hampshire. Yep. Never just focus, look ahead because that's where you want to go. Yep, yep, yep. Going, but reverting back a little bit to uh, um, Arlington when uh, they were going through the whoops and uh, Roxon was right behind Anderson. And I could just, I watched Anderson go into those whoops, hit about the first three whoops, and he started riding behind him. Where's Ken? Where's Ken? Where's Ken? And that's when he went off the track and crashed. Chase Sexton didn't do that. Not at all. I didn't see a hint of it. You can usually see it when a rider starts riding behind him. Can't, Eli Tomac was doing that when he ran into... Like Baggett. Sexton just focused forward, super good focus, and and eased away and caught Hampshire. That was neat to see the focus that he had when he repassed him. That was amazing. He was he was confident he could do it. And I also I I respect his pass. And I think Hampshire does too in in that he gave Hampshire a lot of time. He kept showing a wheel yep. lap after lap yep. while he had pressure behind him. Yep. And he was courteous, yep. excuse me, courteous enough to keep showing him like, I'm still here. I'm going to make an attempt. And he kept making him a little more aggressive, a little more aggressive. And at a certain point, if Hampshire wants to hold his line, Okay, bud, yeah. but he's gonna run it in harder and harder each time. You're gonna have to until share that sticks. Line. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to try and hold it down at a certain point, you're signing the waiver. Yeah. Um and again, I don't I don't feel there's been anything malicious all season no. um in the two fifties, just different levels of sloppy. Yeah. And I feel that what Sexton did is is right in kind of the bottom of sloppy. Mm-hmm. Well, because I think what they're riding the ragged edge, it's hard to be accurate when you're going to push a guy up in the turn. <laughs> I think when when Ferrandis took out both of the Honda riders, that was that was beyond sloppy. I would call it the top of sloppy. Yeah. It was it was it was beyond him. Yeah. He's a much better rider than that. He just, he's he's defending a championship, and he yeah. needed to make passes. I understand. Yeah where he was and I might've done the same thing, but I do expect better of him. And that's the only thing is these guys are really good. They, 
they don't need to make passes like that. Yeah. I think um I think that other than that it's it was all fine. But, yeah. Um the top 3 guys in the 250 East are actually very very professional young guys racing. I lost you there. Did you? Yep. So, how are you? Uh, the top three guys are professional. Yeah, very professional guys that are racing at a high level at the ragged edge. So they're 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 all great guys. Yeah, and I don't I don't think there was anything uh, really wrong with that with that pass. Um, because there wasn't a lot of places to make a pass. Uh, and he, you know, he didn't come out of nowhere. I think it was all uh, just fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. McElrath himself said that he was just, that he was just off. Um, and that he wasn't feeling, wasn't, just wasn't feeling, feeling it. He wasn't flowing. Um, <clears throat> do you think, do you think he has more in the tank or is it more what we've seen from McElrath that he's a really strong starter for the season, like his first couple rounds, and then he he kind of settles in and everyone else kind of catches up? Because that's what I've seen historically. I think that uh, he... Uh... I was thinking it, and then I actually read it from somebody else this week. Because he's won A1 most of the time. Right, and every time he's won that. See, A1 and these earlier tracks are nice, smooth tracks that are easy to do. They're not ruddy. They don't break down. That's where, when when everything is predictable, McElrath is going to be hard to beat because he can hit his lines and go super fast with it when he doesn't have to worry about technical stuff. Um, first race of the year for East, uh, that was Tampa, right? Uh, first race, yes. And that track was was not super difficult and smooth and swoopy and things like that. And uh, he just killed him. He has he was head and shoulders faster. But then when they start throwing in lots of whoops, sand sections, you know, as in the last couple of weeks, and it gets technical and it breaks down, I think that's where Chase Sexton's stronger. When you gotta just like Eli Tomac, you know, the worse it, the worse the track gets, the better he does. It seems like Chase Sexton is the same way. When it gets bad, he's still good. Now, I uh I think I might have mentioned this to you off mic, but I'm gonna I'm gonna put it down in stone right now. I think Chase Sexton is the fastest 250 rider in the U.S. right now. Yep, he is. He is. I think he. I I don't I don't have any doubts on yeah, that because he's he's got Randis. he he's got it mentally. He knows yeah, yeah, he's fast. Yeah, yeah, and he just he doesn't. I don't know. You know, when the guys are really good, they make it look like they're not working at it. You know, when when uh, McElroth passed him and then then Sexton went to work to get back past him, then he was working it. You know, he was just like 
pinning it and, and just ripping. But then once he got back around him, he went back into that smooth, you know, fairly aggressive um, riding style that he has that just went fast. Here's here's one thing that I've I've observed. Tell me if you uh, agree with this. When Chase rides, what happened behind him on the track never matters. And by that I mean like if he comes through a, a, a the sand section and he gets a weird kick, by the time he hits the next corner, he's forgotten that it happened. And a lot of riders, if they get a bad kick, they'll kind of I do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, me too. If, if I get a bad section, it'll take me three or four turns. And I'm like, okay, get back into it. Find a rhythm, go. And it'll take me a few beats. He seems to second to second, delete everything that's already happened. You know, I, I so when he got, when he got past, he, he didn't, he, he instantly hadn't been passed, but he was behind someone that he needed to get by. Yeah. So he didn't stop and regroup and watch and figure out where he's going to go through. He just, no, I just got to get past yeah. him now. Like he was, instead of being passed, he was mid pass yeah. in his mind and he went right back at him. No hesitation. So I read a thing several years ago, uh, Ricky Carmichael was talking about that sort of thing. When you make a mistake, you know, you your front end starts to wash out and you got to dab and you put your foot down super hard. Um, most guys, you know, it takes them a lap or at least a half a lap to kind of get squared away again and not freak out going, whoa, that was close. Maybe I need to slow down a little bit because that's what we all think. But um, I remember reading that about uh, or watching, reading Ricky Carmichael talking about that. This was, yeah, he was still racing when he when he said this. And I thought, you know, whenever I have a mistake or, a, you know, do something out on the trail or track where I make a mistake, I think about that. It's like, nope, think three, four turns ahead and this never happened. Otherwise, if you start thinking you're going to fall, guess what? You can't think that. You have to think, I got to go and be smooth. And there's just ways you have to play with your brain to... I feel that's a way that he's very mentally strong is he's not demotivated by any unfortunate circumstances. He yeah. just moves right past them because he knows he can think about that when he's back in the truck. But right now, yeah. I got to go to the front. How old is he? Is he like 20? Ah, uh, he'd be somewhere, somewhere around there for sure. He's, uh, he's just so fast already, and he's going to the four fifties in a couple of months. Couple of months he was out yeah. testing. It's going to be interesting to see because you know, honestly, I don't recall how he did in the outdoors. I mean, I don't think he's won anything because I would think I would remember that. Uh, in the outdoors yeah. uh, last year, yeah. he. Uh, he uh, he did okay. I mean, he got a podium at High Point um, and Unadilla, so he got two thirds. Um, other that, other than that, yeah, not anything. Uh, you know, fifth, fourth, fifth, third, mm -hmm. nine, eighteen, twelve, five, three, seven, four. Like nothing, okay, nothing results. The world on fire. <clears throat> but he but he had just come off of uh that championship uh yeah. 
the championship that year, which he still hadn't destroyed the competition. I mean, oh, he only he, had one win yeah. at East Rutherford. Yeah, he, he, he got it handed to him a bit with, with Forkner getting hurt. But still, I mean, he was uh, the one that was second best, you know, to that point. So in the end, he won it. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And he, and so, yeah, he's not huge, but it, I think that's mentally the same kind of thing as bringing in an amateur into outdoors before you put him in the meat grinder or supercross, yeah. giving Chase Sexton half a season on the 450 yeah. so that he can come into A1 prepared. Yeah, supercross-wise, that's going to help him probably more than anything. So that'll be that'll be interesting. I'm glad they gotta let him defend his title yeah, uh, before moving him up. Um, uh, yeah, Jordan Smith. He's better, consistently the fourth best guy out there. But the guy is super good. It's kind of disappointing for for his results as fast as the guy is. Um, yeah, five thirteen four is not. Not the kind of season he wanted to start with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, the other guy, uh, Hampshire, he's got serious speed. He's he's always had serious speed. And, you know, Smith and Hampshire uh, came up together with on Lucas Oil Honda uh-huh. and were roommates when they went uh, pro uh, Geico for two years. And, um, and yeah, he's... He, I know, has had speed. He won the MX uh, two. Yeah, MX two uh, at, at yeah in Florida. Yep. WW Ranch. Yep, at the MXGP of the USA, and that was uh, fall of seventeen that he won that, and so he kept getting signed. You know, because he would put in decent results, like uh, second place at Ironman the next year. Mm-hmm. You know. Like he could finish strong. He got a, a second in Houston in, you know, uh, last March. You know, he got a second in Vegas uh, last May. Like he's put out some good results. Um, and he's, you know, tied that second with, you know, Atlanta this weekend. Mm-hmm. He seems motivated. He's on, he's on the verge of some good results. I mean, if so, okay, yeah, I mean, he's on the verge of a win. Six, three, two. Mathematically, he should get the win yeah. next weekend. <laughs> but Daytona is going to be so different. Um, yeah, but I mean, WW Ranch win against uh, you know all the two all the two fifty MX two guys. Mm-hmm. He shows that he has. If there's a grass strip down the outside gate, yeah. he's set. <laughs> yep, I think they fixed that. By the way. <laughs> Probably. Um, yeah, it was probably tilled the next week. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't count him out for it. Um, I'd probably say he's has a stronger chance than um, than Jordan Smith does. He does. He definitely does. He's He seems to be the third fastest guy, second to third fastest guy. None of these guys are really outdoor specialists, though. Um no, so it, it should be a pretty uh, level playing field. It'll be interesting to see. You know, I think that Brandis is going to be good outdoors, and I fully expect Jeremy Martin to be fast outdoors. Oh, you know what? I, I'm i sorry. I just bit my tongue. Um, 
I said there are no outdoor specialists on the East Coast right now. I forgot about Jeremy Martin. And that's on me. <laughs> he's an outdoor specialist. He's not a supercross specialist. No, he's he, this this could be the first year that he qualifies for all the races. Yeah. Yeah. But he, he won his heat race, man. He was did really good. And he was hanging right in there behind McElrath and until the little issue with a tough block. And that was a pretty hard I, crash. That was kind of tough to watch as you watch him rolling over the bars. And you're like, not his back, you know? Yeah, I was really worried about him. And he popped right up. And I said, you yeah. bet you pop right back yeah. up. Yeah, he did. He did. I, I saw that coming, too. I When when they went around, that tough block came out. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that mistake. Jeremy Martin might be able to catch him and get around him. Oh, boy. Yeah. That tough block's still out there. Yeah. And then it cut, and I didn't see it at first. And then he wasn't back there, and I went, "Oh no, yeah. <laughs> that's just some bad luck." Yep. But he he didn't intend to win this championship. He intended to finish this championship and come out swinging in outdoors. Yeah, I'm I think sure he has intentions for the outdoors. He wants that. Hey. He wants uh, Chase Sexton's spot back. Yeah, because that was that was supposed to be his, yeah, but you know, but, he got hurt. No, no fault of himself, yeah. but you know they gotta they gotta bring up the person that's ready. Yeah, yeah, but you know he does good in two fifty outdoors this year. Even wins the championship, people are gonna want him. Yeah, and I think this might be an opportunity for. Uh, uh, for a third Honda ride, because I think that's someone that if he can come out and if he wins the 250 outdoors, I think they'll offer him, hey, come back for one more Supercross and then 450 outdoors yeah. like Sexton did. Yep. And I think that would be a, an appropriate, uh, mm -hmm. you know, kind of middle ground. Yeah. yeah. Joe, Joe Shimoda. He, top five he's he's actually putting it together isn't he he's killing it i am i am super impressed personally mm -hmm. didn't he run second I mean, in the heat race behind jeremy martin for a long time yeah he he had a really good heat yeah. and you know after two top tens you know i was i was just happy that he was in the top 10 now he's in the top five yeah, yeah he's working his way up uh one other he, guy um he hit Marchbanks a little hard in that yes. pass. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. But, you know, yeah. he's trying to establish who he is. Um, yeah, he's he's new at this. Yeah. That's just what it is, and that's that's fine. Um, you know, you don't want someone to pass you hard. Get out in front of him and go away. Get away. Don't let him get that close. Yeah, and he's he's learning. It's his learning year. Um, but that's, that's impressive. It's good for him that he's uh, – yep. Because he was way off the pace uh, when he started running with the Geico guys in uh, practice yeah, before like the season. Or something like that. Yeah, like twenty seconds, like way back. Way back. Um, so he's that's pretty good. He's he's uh, he's working his way up. Yep. yep. Pierce Brown, first race mm -hmm. ever in Supercross, and he was running second as well in the other heat race, right? In the other heat, yeah, he did really well in the really heat. Really well. I think he ended up getting passed, and he didn't have such a good main, but guy's got speed. And what what uh, Mitch Payton says. We can work with speed. Yeah, yeah he's got the yep. speed. He And he didn't just do it for one or two laps. He did it for quite a while. So that was neat to see. 
Yeah, it's a shame Joey Crown is out uh, with injury now. Yep. I was enjoying watching his uh, his career. But he had enough success to know that, you know, oh, broken collarbone or concussion, I think maybe what it was. Um, he's ready to come back. He knows he's got something for these guys. Yeah, exactly. It'll be he's he really I think I think he'll get a he'll get a ride uh with a probably TLD cuz they're kind of headhunting right now. Yeah. That would be a, a good one for them to maybe pick up for a one-year contract next year. Yeah, he's definitely got he did it like in enough races to get noticed for sure. Yeah, especially at the Triple Crown which is his uh yeah. His racing isn't shown in his results. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, and Enzo Lopes uh, and Garrett Marchbanks are both showing that they can be a factor in, you know, the upcoming season. They're yeah. getting some solid finishes. Yeah, they are, because, you know, it's funny. Um, you know, he kind of thought each of those guys, you know, when Enzo Lopes got on with JGR, he thought, oh man, this guy's going to be something. He just like flopped completely, but he pushed. Yeah. Which maybe it was pressure. Maybe it was, uh, you know, an injury that wasn't really well, uh, publicized. Who who knows what it was. Could be any of those. Yep. And, you know, Garrett just, he's a big kid on it, on a two (laughs) fifty. That's something to get used to. (laughs) It's like Benny Bloss riding that thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Kind of hunched over Always. and everything like that. Yep, it's Malcolm Stewart again. Yeah. That's what it looks like. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I mean, I I do wonder uh, you know, why Josh Hill uh dropped off so much this week. And, you know, Jordan Bailey and Jimmy Dakotis both showed speed in the heat races without that transferring over. Did, to uh Josh to the main place yeah not bad though not bad at all yeah but he's been he's been faster than yeah, that yeah he has been faster I mean, than that but you know like everybody else it was a tough track you know yeah but i mean he got sixth in arlington yeah. like between the three races that's that's where i expect him to be yeah yeah you know i wonder how old he is he's got to be over 30 Probably, yeah, because, yeah, he's probably 32, 33, yeah. by my guess. Yeah, yeah. Super nice guy. I had lunch with him at Mammoth Motocross like three, oh, wow, three years ago when he was riding the Alta. And he just sat down across the table and we talked. You know, two Oregonians kind of made it easy to talk, but uh, super nice guy. Yeah, but certainly. Neat to see him. You know, coming back and he's having fun with it. You know, he knows he's not going to be the 250 East champion, but he's having fun and he's getting the race with his brother again, just like old times. Good to mm-hmm. see him out there. Yep, and he's and he's putting out a good showing. Yeah, absolutely. he's not just riding around in circles. He's he's really banging bars with these guys. Yeah, he is. He's actually really fast. I think he's glad to be in the 250s again. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. It's, He's not pressuring himself that much, you know. He is a bit, but just having fun with it. Well, uh, before we close out, I uh, wanted to check back up on our uh, our uh, RM Fantasy SX uh, results mm-hmm. for this last week. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't get a chance to go back and look. 
I made some changes. I took the guys off. Let me see. I have my results right here. So you you and I both got twenty five points. Yeah, I didn't get any. Wait a minute, Justin Barsha for fourth. No, he got third, right? <clears throat> yeah. So I didn't get anybody right. Yeah, me neither. I had Malcolm Stewart in in at fifth. I um, I, I had Zach Osborne written down, but I went back and changed that because he got hurt. Yeah. Who'd you end up going with? I don't remember. And I, if I turn my computer on, I, I will. Uh, I'll oh, I can tell you. I can tell you. Uh, uh, you had picked uh, Vince Freezy. Vince Freezy. Oh, yeah. Well, if you didn't go For down with Anderson and Wilson, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I mean, yeah, you had some some of the right riders just in the wrong spots. Wrong spot. uh, like Tomac, Rockson, you had Anderson, Barsha, and, and I also had Dean Wilson as my 10th or 11th place, whatever. And he might have gone. Oh, you had, uh, yeah, you had Vince Freezy picked for 12th. Oh, who'd I have picked for 5th? Oh, for 5th? Um, you had gone with Cooper Webb. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I had them all wrong. <laughs> Yeah, Tomac, Roxon, Anderson, Barsha, Webb. Yep. Okay, so, Webb. I, just, I put, took Zach Osborne out of there and put Webb in there. But, yeah, I was completely wrong. I still got 20 points, though, huh? 25. Amazing. Um, and I had said uh, Tomac and then Roxon in second, Barsha third, Anderson, and then Malcolm Stewart. Okay. So you know, having those four, both fourth and fifth, not on the map yeah. was uh, was a bummer. I had Chad Reed for twelfth and, and uh, missed that one, uh, but no one did particularly well. Um, <laughs> so in second place, because you got twenty five points, so you actually pulled an extra five points away from uh, Cheryl in in second. Oh wow! So I still uh, have the lead. Yep, so I'm and I hold third uh still firmly with twenty five points. Uh Kenny closed in on me by five, he got thirty. And then uh behind him uh Jessica got twenty and uh so did uh Dave. So we all got between twenty and thirty points. Not a lot of swing in the uh in the positions Okay. Uh, this week because it was just not what we all not what it should have been i guess yeah we but you know we had enough you know right that it was you know we were in the ballpark yep someone winning the uh the um 12th place would have been a, a big a big deal yeah. this week <laughs> so low scoring so we're gonna have to decide whoever wins this what they get yeah, that's a good, that's a good, I mean, for some of the people on this list, bragging rights is plenty. Uh, <laughs> I mean, okay. halfway through, if, 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 if Dave wins, because he's 160 points behind you, Yeah. Uh, if you were to win, that's some bragging rights. The comeback, so. comeback win of the year, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll have Dave on next week, and we'll let him talk about what, what he uh, is going to want if he pulls that off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, 
yeah, he should he should be joining next week, hopefully. Uh, work stuff, you know. Yep. Um, excellent. Yeah. So you know, no no change in that. Still got pretty pretty decent gaps uh, pulled between a lot of people. Uh, got a well, that's only a five point gap between uh, Kenny and Jessica. So that one's that one's pretty close, mm-hmm. but. Uh, mm-hmm. The rest are like 30 or more. So we'll see. We'll see you next week. I've got my picks in already. Uh, pretty conservative stuff, but. Yeah, since should be... on, I probably need to make a couple of adjustments. I'll go back and see what I got. Yep. And we'll, uh, we'll cover those again next week also. Um, and I think that's. That's pretty much our thoughts. I mean, we could probably go another hour, but we'll call it we'll call it good we can do here. That. We can do that. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for coming back on. Sorry for the long hiatus, uh, but we are back up and going again. Yep, got kind of getting past our technical difficulties. Yep. Uh, if there's a little bit of uh, weird digital sounds coming through we are we're still working on that but we got we got an episode this time so that's an improvement sounds good excellent uh thanks again and we'll uh we'll see everybody again later uh you know all the regular stuff check out the the website links on the here on the podcast uh check out the website to see the gallery of all of our all of our stuff i'm going to be posting up probably this week more pictures of our uh our dirt bikes so people can kind of see what's in our stable uh and uh with that uh we're gonna go ahead and just cut the admin short and say good night good night Thank you for listening to the Loose Folks podcast. A special thanks for Jahazer for the use of their song, The Last Ones, under the Attribution Share Alike license.